Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire and this is a trip through medieval Ireland. This podcast is something different from normal episodes. In this show, before I return to the Norman Invasion series in the next episode, I will be bringing to life many of the places described from medieval Ireland. A few weeks ago, I mentioned my upcoming tours this summer, which I'm organising with another guide, Jamie Goldrick. While I wanted to devote an entire show to these tours, I also wanted to give those of you across the world a sense of what survives from medieval Ireland. So a few weeks ago, myself and Jamie hit the road, visiting some of the best medieval sites where we plan to bring tours. We brought a recorder along with us, so in this podcast we will take you from Dublin to the medieval monastery of Glendalough, then through medieval Kilkenny, before finishing up in what is a real hidden gem of medieval Irish history, which will be revealed later in the show. This is the tour we will be organising on June 6th, so you will get a chance to see these places in all their glory as well. If you want to take this tour in real life, you can do so by contacting us at booking at irishhistorytours.ie. There will be a lot more on this throughout the podcast. But now, let's get going on this tour through medieval Ireland. Myself and Jamie live quite close to each other in Dublin, so we hit the road early to beat the traffic, heading towards our first stop, Glendalough, Ireland's most famous early medieval monastery, now around 1,400 years old. This journey took us south from the capital, through what was known in the medieval period as the Vale of Dublin. Today, the Vale is a sprawling suburb. The medieval world has been totally eviscerated from the landscape by housing estates and motorways. Indeed, one of the key Norman fortresses protecting the region, Carrick Mines Castle, is now in a concrete tomb beneath Dublin's M50. As the morning fog began to lift and we hit the Dublin mountains, we got chatting about Jamie's experiences working as a guide in Ireland. 
Well, I've been guiding for about seven years now. Um, I've worked for quite a few of the well-known companies here in Ireland, which was really quite great. I got to go to all parts, all four corners of the country, and nearly everywhere in between. Seen a lot. Met a lot Our conversations were broken by the need for a quick pit stop in a coffee shop before we landed in Glendalough. The monastery at Glendalough has a long and fascinating history. The word Glendalough comes from the Irish Glendalough, meaning the Valley of the Two Lakes, and it is now pretty isolated deep in the Wicklow Mountains. It was this remoteness and solitude that attracted early Irish monks to Glendalough to found the first monastery in the region. After its founding before the year 600, the monks who initially sought solitude soon saw their dream disappear. Increasingly, people flocked to the monastery, which became a centre of life in the area. However, when we arrived, we got some sense of this solitude. It's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. None of the shore buses have arrived yet, so it's really calm and peaceful here. You can really get a sense of why people came here over a thousand years ago. We're standing 20 metres away from the Round Tower, probably the greatest symbol of the monastery. The cathedral is just beside us as well. Jamie, I don't know, you come here quite a lot. Gives you a good sense of the place. It's really nice around this time of the morning, just as the sun's coming up over the valley. You kind of really have an idea why they would have chosen to settle here. It really is quite magical uh, this time of the morning. You know, it's just, uh, it's just really is quite silent. Walking through the graveyard here, and what's quite interesting, a lot of people take note of it, is it's like this has been a functioning graveyard for just about a thousand years. Well, it really is a mix of old and new. You can almost even read some of the tombstones going back to the 1400s, maybe even a bit older, if, if you really look at them quite hard. But also, there are still a few families around here that still maintain and still have burial rites uh, to the area. So it's quite the mix of, of old and new, stretching back from medieval times right up to modern times. Like, there's not that many families these days with burial rites, but it is... Um, still a tradition that, that still keeps going, especially up here. Its natural mountain fortress protected Glendalough from the worst of the Viking raids, which began in the early 9th century. However, on Christmas night in 835, the Vikings succeeded in penetrating the surrounding valleys and sacked the monastery. While there are few buildings on the site today that bore witness to this brutal attack, most were built not long afterwards. While a cathedral was completed in the late 12th century, Glendalough by that stage had reached its zenith. In 1170, the Normans, invading Ireland, marched through Glendalough on their way to besiege Dublin that year. In the following decades, they solidified control over Ireland and Glendalough suffered. By 1215, it was described as deserted and desolate for almost 40 years that from a church it has become a den of thieves and a pit of robbers, so that there are more homicides committed in that valley than in any part of Ireland. However, because of this, in the following decades, Glendalough had a new history. By the 1270s, it and surrounding valleys became natural fortresses for Gaelic-Irish families revolting against Norman rule. This later history was evident in the valley as well. Um, when you kind of look back up away from the monastery then you look back up the valley and you kind of see, you see 
the forested valley sides and you can also see then the later history of Glendalough when it became associated with Gaelic Irish rebellions in the 13th and 14th century you can see how hard it was actually for Norman armies to come into this place from the 1270s onwards there was a big rebellion of the McMurroughs, the O'Toole's and the O'Burns who were based in and around this general area and uh, you really appreciate standing here what it must have been like for them feeling pretty secure in a valley like this knowing that the Normans were trying to get in Look, we know for example through most of the 1270s they were able to uh, defend this region against quite sizable Norman armies not far from here in Glenmalure they trapped a huge Norman army in 1274 and uh ended up ransoming most of those back to the Norman authorities in Dublin. So it really is, you get a sense of a different world. We just left Dublin about, how long ago was it? About Just less less than an hour away from Dublin and you feel like you're just across the country. It's just so far away from the capital city. It's hard to believe that you have one million people just, just over the other side of that valley down there. It really is a kind of timeless place up here, especially at this time of the morning. Before we left, we went to the upper lake at Glendalough to take a look at this incredible site where some of the earliest remains of the first monastic settlement were found. Again, it made quite an impression. I think it's it's well worth getting up a little early and coming here around this time. There's just nobody around and there's just a kind of feeling of solitude that you can kind of think back, is this what it would have been like way back in the day? And when they just came up here and figured that this would have been a good spot to... to plan this settlement uh, the sun's just burning through the mist here you know the birds are singing it really is quite nice it's just I think it's quite important to get here before the day trippers just I, I think that the spot offers so much more when there's when there's less people around from Glendalough we began a journey west through the mountains by the Wicklow Gap almost certainly that route taken by Strongbow and his Norman army in 1170 we stopped in the gap just to take in the breathtaking views. So we're now up at the Wicklow Gap. We're about 470 metres above sea level. This is the highest point of the day. And we're just going to make our descent right down into the plains of Leinster. Taking that descent that Jamie mentioned through some pretty spectacular countryside, we approached Kilkenny over an hour later, which is without doubt the best preserved medieval town in Ireland. Now onwards to medieval Kilkenny. Built by the Normans in the early 13th century, Kilkenny is still dominated by its massive medieval stone fortress on its southern end and the imposing St. Canice's Cathedral to its north. It was between these two edifices a prosperous medieval town emerged. Many of the medieval buildings survive. St. Mary's Church with its medieval tombs, the Dominican Black Abbey outside the walls and St. Francis's Friary where in 1348 John Clynn wrote one of the most famous eyewitness accounts of the Black Death as it swept through the city. Now the centrepiece of our day-long tour will be a walk through this medieval town, covering its fascinating history and some of its more famous and infamous inhabitants. When we arrived, we first made for the castle. Alright, yeah, so we've just landed in Kilkenny now. Just a little over an hour drive down from Glendalough, and we're actually just in front of the castle here, and it really is quite striking. And it's just such a grand structure compared to the small settlement. Not to take away from Glendalough, but of course we're travelling uh, forward in time. You know, we've come right about 600 years uh, in time 
just down from the mountains there. So it really is very, very different, and that's a great thing about Ireland. We're kind of trying to show that on the tour today. You know, we're just trying to mix it up from the kind of early Christian period in Ireland right down to this medieval town, and you can really can can see, you get a feel already of what an important place this town would have been. Actually, it would have been the capital of Ireland, not many people know that, uh, for a period of the Confederate Wars that ended in 1649 with the invasion of Oliver Cromwell. So we've come to Kilkenny, I guess, to see what a medieval town would have been like, as Jamie is saying, the early Christian monastery, Glendalough, tells its own story, but this tells a very interesting story about what happened after the Norman conquest, the building of what is a really impressive town. But in Kilkenny, we can see that preserved pretty, I wouldn't say immaculately, but it's, a, it's the best sense you're going to get of a medieval town in Ireland. There's lots of the buildings from the medieval period. There's like St. Canis's Cathedral, um, the Black Abbey, St. Francis's Priory, all still in the town today. There's also the amazing castle that we're standing at now, built around 1200. It's quite an unusual structure. It's a real sight to behold because the castle actually only has three sides. When it was built, it would have had a fourth side. But when the Cromwellian army that Jamie referred to took Kilkenny um, in the 17th century, they actually blew off the fourth side of the castle and it was never rebuilt. So what we're going to do, we're just at the south end of the city now. We're going to take a small walk through the city. You know, when we say city, you know, Kilkenny has about 30,000 residents. It's it's quite, quite small by city standards. It's the beauty of it, actually. You have such great sites, all kind of close proximity to each other. So we're going to take a walk north through the town. We're going to check out St. Canis's Cathedral. There'll be an opportunity to go up to uh, one of only two accessible round towers in Ireland. After a short walk up High Street, a street that people in Kilkenny have been using for eight centuries, we began to climb the steps to the cathedral. Alright, so we've now just walked right up uh, to the north of the town. We've just come up the steps here to St. Canis Cathedral. It really is a lovely day here. We can see these old tombstones here. There's actually a little black cat uh, skulking around, which is which is quite nice. Uh, we're going to take a walk inside the cathedral now, but Finn, maybe you want to say a little bit about the, the history of the place? Just briefly, uh, St. Canis' Cathedral is the second largest uh, medieval cathedral in Ireland. It's a very impressive structure. You really feel like it dominates Kilkenny. It's on a high rise on the northern end of the town. Inside the building itself, it's really impressive. So you've got loads of the um, tombs of the Butler family, these amazingly carved effigies. You've also got a series of other really interesting tombs and stories attached with them. So, for example, we've got a man called Jose Kittler, who's the father of Alice Kittler, um, who was one of the first people prosecuted for witchcraft in Ireland. Uh, her story will definitely form a big part of our tour. There's also, not far from Jose Kittler's tomb, there's Richard the Dread's tomb. Richard the Dread, an apt name for the man who actually prosecuted that witchcraft trial and oversaw the torture and execution of a would-be or a supposed witch. Next, we climbed one of the town's most unique features. up to the top of the round tower here in Kilkenny, it's about 100 feet up and the views are quite remarkable up here today just looking south we can see the castle in the distance where we parked up 
recorded a lot more up there but it was blustery and the interference was a bit too much. After climbing down the series of ladders through the tower we had a bite to eat before hitting the road again. The final leg of the journey took us to somewhere I had never been before. When we were planning our tour we were keen to take in somewhere properly off the beaten track. Jamie suggested Kilcooley Abbey which I had only ever heard of in passing and have never been to. Kilcooley was founded by the Cistercian Order not long after the Norman invasion. Its life as an abbey lasted until the 16th century when Henry VIII dissolved the monasteries. In later centuries it was actually used as a domestic residence. Today it's a somewhat forgotten spot, a jewel in Ireland's medieval past and it's in great condition. It lies down a warren of country lanes hidden by trees. Its setting is almost something like that of a Jane Austen novel, with the abbey standing in front of a dilapidated stately home of the Ponsonby family, the one-time landlords of the region. We were both pretty taken by it when we arrived. We came north out of Kilkenny, and we've gone down quite a lot of country roads, and now we've just arrived at Kilcooley Abbey. I've never been here before. It's pretty impressive. I don't know, I would have thought, like, a place like this would have been on the tourist map. Like definitely one of the most well-preserved abbeys I've ever seen. I don't know, Jamie, you've been here before. Yeah, well, I guess my, my sentiment would have been the same. I came here first. I was expecting this this small little abbey, which wouldn't be on par with any of the other ones that we have, the other Cistercian abbeys like Cockenrow Abbey down in Clare, for example. But this is just as big, if not bigger. Uh, it's almost definitely looks uh, a lot more well-preserved, and it's just like just a bit of a shock coming around the corner and just seeing it here standing here in this field all on its own. After this we began to look around the abbey which has some amazing carvings and a lot to explore. We're coming into the church from the eastern side approaching the crossing and this place is really incredible. Usually abbeys like this have been stripped really heavily of their stone. This hasn't. There's also the odd bit of vandalism but very very little. It really is uh, definitely a hidden jewel. we just as we walked in here, we, we startled about 150 crows that flew off. But uh, yeah, this place doesn't get too many visitors, which is probably good for it, you know, considering the state it's in. You know, maybe that is why it's in such good condition. It's just off the beaten track. We came across this staircase within the walls. I think this may be locked. It was locked last time I was here. Yeah, looks like it is. Despite the frustration of seeing but not being able to access the rooms on the first floor, we continued to explore. We just stepped outside of the church and we're into what would have been the cloister of the cathedral. Most of the stonework is gone. There's a beautiful tree, yew tree, 50 years old maybe, in the centre. It's really nice. That's the newest thing here. After this, we headed back to the car. The day had taken us through the guts of a thousand years of Irish history, just in a few hours. In the next episode, I will be returning to the story of the Norman invasion. Until then, Sloan.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.